What is up, guys, and welcome back to the Crypto Entrepreneurs Podcast. It's your host, Charles, and I have missed you guys dearly. It has been a very, very busy past couple of months, and I haven't had time to record episodes, but this episode's very important to me, so I wanted to sit down, get it recorded, and get it out there. It's the special one-off Pokemon episode. You guys have probably seen me tweeting about it, been buying these first edition base set cards and flipping them for a profit. Uh, And then you've probably also seen these massive influencers like Logan Paul, who have been opening these first edition boxes. Uh, So there's all out Pokemon mania and hysteria. So I wanted to talk about where the market's at, how you can get involved, and why we think the Pokemon market is going to continue to grow. So I'm sitting down with my buddy Fazo. He is a longtime Pokemon collector and investor and has recently started a group to help teach others how to get involved. Uh, So today we're going to be going over investing, flipping, where the market's at, and where we think the market is headed. So if you've seen me tweeting about it and you've been interested and you want to get involved with much lower barriers to entry, This episode is perfect for you, and we're going to get into all of it in just a second. All right, so it is the first episode I've done in a very long time, bringing it back for something that is very close to my heart, and I'm sure very close to everybody else's hearts. Uh, We're going to be getting into Pokemon today, uh, and I'm sitting down with Fazo. How you doing tonight, man? Hey, what's going on, man? Big fan of the show. Thank you for having me on here. Oh, I'm very excited to get into this episode. Uh, We've been working on some stuff together, and I've just seen how you kind of analyze and watch the Pokemon market, and it's it's something that I haven't seen before. You know, there is a little bit of Pokemon hype that has been going on lately, uh, but there's no one who's as, I think, keyed into the market as you are uh, with some of your calls and some of the stuff that you talk about. Uh, It's the perfect person for this episode. So before we get into, you know, Pokemon investing, trading, flipping, all that, can we just get a little bit of background on yourself, who you are, how you got into this, that sort of thing? Yeah, sure, sure. So I go by Faisal online. Uh, I actually run like a little eBay, Amazon store, and I've been collecting, uh, you know, cards for a very long time. So originally, I started on Discord with just doing my uh, eBay store and, you know, just focusing on that aspect of Discord. But the more I started seeing card groups and card collecting, the more I realized like how much of a passion I had for it. And I wanted to bring that for other people. So I've actually had like a pretty interesting past with Pokemon. I grew up playing it. I was a really big fan of it, but for like 10 years or so, I kind of lost touch. But then like, I'd say like early 2017, I got really back into it. Like around evolutions time, uh, it became like, something that I was really interested in. I started collecting more and I just saw the potential as a market and I just decided to dive straight into it. It is, I mean, 2017 is when you really got back into it. And as we've seen, we can see in this chart here, things have blown up since then. So absolutely. You've really caught the rise of this whole market. Um, And can you talk a little bit more about this kind of passion that you're talking about? Because you said it was kind of sparked by seeing other discords or people in discord um you know what what really draws people to pokemon in your opinion right so unlike other tcgs that are very popular like magic um pokemon is completely nostalgic driven like it's magic you know cards gain value by being in meta or being super useful but in pokemon you kind of see a very different approach um you know very old cards are very um you know close to collector's hearts so like you see something like a pikachu or a charizard and it's iconic you know almost every person my age around the 20s or 30 uh age mark knows about that pokemon and has you know maybe even played the game so that's what makes it very different and draws people in that's what i think is really pushing pokemon into like another level yeah the nostalgia of it all it's funny because you know, I've said this a couple times now is everybody and their mother was saying, oh, these are going to be worth something someday because we all had right. Pokemon cards as kids and then we all kind of forgot about them. And now that they're kind of back and hot, everyone's like, holy shit, I remember my favorite card being the Charizard or the Blastoise or a Pikachu. And they want to get back into this market and it has gone bananas. 
Um, so can you just go into kind of the Pokemon market a little bit more? Uh, because I don't think many people understand how crazy it's gotten, what these cards are going for. Uh, so can you just start with, you know, this kind of mania that we're seeing and explain it all? Yeah, absolutely. So the Pokemon market is very interesting because there's so many different aspects to it. Um, you know, you have the OG video games, you have cards, you have modern, vintage, Japanese promos, U.S. promos, booster boxes, elite trainer boxes. So there's so many different aspects to investing in Pokemon. And that's why I think it has so much potential because there's so much diversity. Um, I focus more on the card aspect. I did for a while, you know, collect some of the older games and they did go up in value. But right now, cards have been showing the most potential in sealed product and, uh, you know, PSA graded cards. Um, I think that overall, we should try and focus more on like, you know, why the cards are are valuable, like not just how do they, you know, get to this point, like why is the reason that this card is worth money? That's one of the things that new investors have a very hard time um, understanding, but I think that's what makes Pokemon uh, the way it is because, you know, vintage investors are the ones that have more capital now and those are the people that are really driving the market. I was going to say, it seems like, you know, the younger generation, people my age are starting to come into money. And so they're looking for places to spend it. And this nostalgia of the Pokemon market is kind of a perfect storm for people who are new to money who say, I maybe want to grab a couple of these cards. And it has very much pushed the price up. Um, yeah. And I've kind of heard some people start to say it's starting to lean more towards you know, the rare art market. Because if you yeah. look at the price of a PSA 10 Charizard, it's at what, like 250, almost 300 grand now? I know it's logic- It's gonna cost just, you a lot. Yep. Yeah, and so we're, we're really getting into that almost fine art market, uh, but there is that kind of smaller subsect of the newer cards uh, that we have kind of been able to take advantage of. Um, and so I, I kind of wanted to dive a little bit deeper on one, the investing aspect of it. And then two, there's a huge market for flipping these cards. Um, right. and so I think these are kind of the two big ways that we've seen people start to make money in this market. And I don't want to go into why maybe these cards are worth so much anymore. I kind of do want to talk about how people who are viewing this market or watching this market from the sidelines can get involved and start making money in this market. So yeah. do you think we could potentially start with the investing? Because that's more my expertise. I did mm -hmm. a little bit of base set, first edition, uh, post about it online, made some good money. Uh, and that was kind of my, or is kind of my area of expertise. But I want to hear from somebody like you about uh, Pokemon investing, investing as a whole, not just in those first generation cards. Okay, yeah, no problem. So when it comes to Pokemon, um, in terms of investing, there's so many really good avenues right now. So originally, um, maybe a couple months ago when influencers started really picking up on Pokemon, uh, the first thing they all went towards was the first editions, uh, the base sets, you know, you had people like Logan Paul boosting up the market and that really propelled the price of most first edition PSA 9, PSA 10s way past the 200 mark. So that was a, a really good introduction for a lot of people into it. But also something that I focus more on is Japanese promos because of their exclusivity. Um, and it only helps when you're investing to diversify. So when it comes to these Japanese promos, there's, you know, they're, they're from one region. They're very, um, you know, restricted. There's not a lot of them. And because there's not a lot of them, when you're sending them to PSA, you have a lot lower populations. And this by itself will drive up the price of them. Now you have things like, um, you know, like the 20th anniversary of Pokemon. Those cards are going up right now because the 25th anniversary is coming up. So when you're looking at, at investing, you're using aspects of Pokemon to propel prices or project why this price is going to get there. So I think that at this point, we can safely say that it is modern art. And I like the fact that you use that um, that comparison between the two. Yeah, it's it's getting to that phase. I know a lot of people look at it and they're like, they're just little pieces of cardboard. But when you look at any kind of modern art, it's very similar. You know, why does this really have value? It's the backstory. 
it's the artist who has made them, uh, it's the story behind it, and we're seeing the same thing with Pokemon. Uh, and you talked about the fact that, you know, I don't know if everyone knows kind of the whole Pokemon market, so I kind of yeah. want to rein it in a little bit. Uh, and you talk about the fact that there's very low populations of these Japanese cards. Uh, right. and it's very similar for each grading of the card. So for anyone who doesn't know, you can open a pack of Pokemon cards and you can send it off to a grading company like PSA or BGS, and they will grade your card on a scale of 1 to 10. 10 obviously being the highest and most expensive and most sought after. That's why when I said a PSA 10 Charizard is going for close to 300 grand, it's because it's one of the hardest things to come by. Uh, and a big part of that is the population. Uh, so if you look at how many PSA 10 Charizards there are in a first edition, uh, do you know the number off the top of your head? I actually don't, but uh, as you know, you know they're very limited and the price of them is going to escalate regardless because of, you know, having a PSA 10 is a very big difference from having a PSA 9. And I think that's something that is important. And I'm glad that you actually brought that up. Uh, so I do want to talk about that a little bit, the difference between PSA and BGS, because that's a very common uh, question that I get asked from beginners. Yeah, please. Can you can you kind of go over the two? I know that they're both grading card companies. I know a little bit about, you know, why some are more expensive. But can you, for my audience, explain the difference between the two and then go into maybe pricing a little bit? Absolutely. Yeah. So when it comes to pricing for grading cards, you know, most of the time in the Pokemon market, people are going to go with PSA. PSA is the more affordable and it's it's the more popular. You know, you're going to see more PSA Pokemon cards on the market than BGS. But one of the things that is for, you know, more serious collectors, people that are really doing this a lot, uh, people tend to gravitate towards getting a BGS black label. And the thing that makes uh, BGS very different from PSA is PSA doesn't have subgrades. Uh, BGS does. So you'll see things underneath there, like the centering of the card and other things that have aspects to build up the entire grade. And when you have a BGS black label, it's basically the most pristine card you could possibly have. Um, and that alone will just, you know, drive up the price of the card. And uh, it just makes it a lot more valuable than a PSA 10. Um, right, I'm so sorry, what based, else did you... It's based on four different factors, right? It's the centering, the surface, the edges, and the corners, right? Yeah. There we go. Yeah. So so for a, to get a BGS black label, which is a perfect 10, all four of those need to be perfect. Whereas yeah. if there's one little slight inconsistency, uh, you can still get the 10 uh, from PSA, but you won't get that black label on B BGS. It'll just be the, the standard 10, not that black label. So I'm assuming that the BGS black label is the most expensive. After that, is it PSA 10 and then PSA is more expensive than the BGS is of the same grade or how does that work? Yeah, so... It's actually quite an interesting system because you'll see the BGS black label be the top price. Mm -hmm. Then you'll have your PSA 10 after that. Then you'll probably have your PSA 9, PG, uh, BGS, you know, 9.5s, 8.5s. They can go up in price depending on how popular the card is. But for the most part, you'll see the entire value of the card's graded system be dictated by PSA. Got it. So for anyone who's looking to start investing in this market, if they're going for the top of the line, most expensive cards, they're going to be looking at the BGS black label. And then yeah. from there, if you have the opportunity to buy a card, let's say you've got a BGS 9 and a PSA 9, uh, just know for anyone out there that PSA 9 will go for a higher price normally than the BGS 9. Uh, so it's counterpart. But then you have those half labels like or the half grades, like a 9.5. And, and so a BGS 9.5 will generally go for higher than a PSA 9. Uh, and I know that's a little bit tough to follow, so I apologize for that. Uh, can we maybe get into how we get these cards graded? Because I know a lot of people who are in my DMs, I've started talking about Pokemon a lot, and they say, I have all of these cards. Uh, they're what are considered raw cards, means they're not graded. Uh, and they say, what do I do with them? I say, you can either sell them raw or you get them graded. And people seem to be a little bit confused on how the grading process works. So do you think you can give us kind of a run through of what you would do if you have these raw cards and you want to get them graded? Yeah. So when people start off, um, you know, the whole grading system can be kind of complex or seem complex to people, but it's not as difficult as we make it out to be. When you get your graded cards, uh, usually you want to send them in bulk. You probably don't want to send off one card to grade. Basically what you're doing is you're packaging the box 
um, depending on what you decide to choose, BGS or PSA. There's also uh, CGC, which is a, a newer company. They're known for grading comic books, but they're starting to dabble in the art of Pokemon because of popularity. But regardless of the company you choose, you go to their website. Uh, they should have instructions and in pricing on specific cards. Usually they, you know, diversify by whether the card's modern and they have a ton of subsections that you can go through. Uh, you basically pay there. You're shipping your cards off to the company and you will probably return them in maybe uh, three, three to four months, depending on the company. Right now, PSA is very backed up. So I know that they don't have estimates on when the cards get back, but they have very good instructions on their websites. It's mostly the packaging that I worry about for beginners. Um, you know, when you're sending off your raw cards, you want to make sure there's not space for them to move. So putting them between cardboard and, you know, taping that up, just making sure it's really secure is the first thing that most beginners, you know, overlook. Yeah, I've seen some, I've watched some YouTube videos on people opening packs and opening cards are very famous YouTubers. Uh, and they actually get sent cards from people all the time. And I always cringe when I see people who have, you know, put rubber bands around their cards to keep them all together. Oh, yeah. It's just like, you're ruining the card by doing yeah, that. Yeah, that's a no-go. That's a no-go right so, there. So yeah, I mean, anyone who has old cards who potentially wants to get them graded, uh, what you're going to want to do is package them up nicely. There's actually these things called card holders, I believe is what they are, uh, or card savers. Uh, so you put it in a little sleeve, put it in the saver, uh, package up your box nicely so it doesn't move around at all, and then you'll send it off. Um, yeah. Now, for people who have found these old cards who say, I don't want to wait that three to four months, the Pokemon market's very hot right now, I'd like to get rid of my cards right now. Uh, what's the best place to do that? How have you been selling your cards? Uh, where's your go-to method? Yeah, so you can still sell your cards raw, and I think that that's something that beginners might want to look into if they're not really comfortable with the whole grading system yet. Uh, you know, raw cards fetch very good prices on eBay, and actually, uh, recently a set that's very popular, uh, modern set Shining Legends, is popping off. It has a Shiny Mew card in there, which raw I think is selling for around 60 60 to 50, 50 to $60. And that's basically the box, the ETB box right there. That's the price. So depending on the raw card you get, and even, you know, vintage cards can go way over that. Depending on the card, you can, you know, basically make all your money back on whatever you open the card from. So I think that looking into raw cards shouldn't be overlooked, especially if you don't think your card might get a, you know, PSA 9 or PSA 10. You might want to just settle for you know, getting the card off quickly instead of spending money grading it and then having to return it and then sell it. 100%. And, you know, I always preach for the newer sets where all of these cards aren't very expensive yet. It's hard to justify spending the money to get it graded uh, because even the graded cards at a 10 or a 9 aren't going for too much. Yeah. Uh, so with those newer sets, you should look into the pricing differences if it's worth it to get it graded or if you should just sell it raw. Uh, with some of the older cards, I generally recommend getting them graded because even the very low graded uh, first edition base sets and the base set cards are still going for a ton of money uh, and you're gonna pay uh, or you're gonna you're not gonna get that huge premium that you would get with it being graded if you're just selling the cards raw. Yeah, I definitely um, agree with that. So really quick, this is another thing that people have asked about that I want to cover uh, before we get on, because this is all kind of what I consider investing still. So yeah. if you're looking at um, raw cards to buy, what are you looking at here? What's kind of your criteria for I'm going to buy a raw card? And then what are your thoughts on selling it again raw? Or do you always prefer to go then get it graded to sell? Right. So if I'm buying a raw card, you know, 80 to 90% of the time I'm buying the raw card to grade. When you're buying cards, you can always buy a raw to, you know, hold for a long time and then sell it, but it would still be in your best interest to have it graded as that can only really increase the value as time goes on. Because uh, as a collector in Pokemon or investor, you need to know that time is really like the biggest factor and your biggest ally when it comes to Pokemon. So if you're buying a raw card, you need to look for specific things such as the centering of the front card. Uh, a lot of cards, when made by Pokemon, you know they have defects where they're slanted to the left, slanted to the right, or just really off center. Uh, that will decrease the value of the card and also the grade that the card will get. And it's the same kind of thing with the back. 
You also want to look for scratches. Scratches are very important, especially on hollow cards. You can kind of see them more visibly. Those will decrease your, your cards grade also. And there's one thing that a lot of people overlook is like white specks. If there are like specks on the side of the card or the back of the card, they're kind of hard to notice sometimes, but those will also decrease. That can be like the difference between a nine and a 10, depending on who's grading your card. Just one tiny little white speck and yeah, you're done for. Yeah, yeah, and you're done. Um, yeah, and it's it's tough because a lot of these older cards, even though they've been sitting in binders in basements or in attics, uh, they've still just had that general wear and tear over the last 20, 25 years. Uh, so yeah. it's very hard to pull any kind of perfect 10 or even a nine from these old sets so i'm actually glad you brought that up because um one of the common things that you know beginners have issues with is buying cards and binders and as much as i like vintage cards and some binders can be really good it's really risky and i'm glad that you brought that up because a lot of these cards are kept in binders in the best condition they can possibly be in but over time there's white specks that just come in and it's really hard to gauge what condition the card is in from just pictures of a binder, you know? Yeah, exactly. And a lot of the times they do show you the fronts of these cards, but the backs are where you're going to see most of the damage. Uh, So for anyone out there who's, you know, maybe on eBay or on social media sites looking to purchase some of these older cards, uh, my biggest tip for you is to just really make sure that you are analyzing both the front and the back and asking for as many pictures as possible. Uh, Some people try to get away with just throwing one or two pictures at you and hoping that you agree to buy, but really take the time to analyze these cards. Uh, Also, another tip is if you go to PSA's website, uh, they have a full rundown of why or how they grade each card. Uh, So you can click on the 10 and it'll give you kind of the full description of what they're looking for to give it a 10. And you can go through the nines, the eights, the sevens, all the way down to the ones, and it'll be a full description for you. So check that out. Start to learn about the grading process if you do want to get into the raw market and start investing in raw, raw cards to flip or grade. Um, so before we move on to the flipping, there's still a couple more things that I do want to talk about on the investing side. Uh, one of which is the calls that you have been making lately. They have been on fire. You've been killing it. So can we maybe pull up some examples of the cards that you've said, you know, this is what I think a good investment is. And can we go over why you made that decision? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so one of the things that I really have been focusing on recently is the 20th, the 25th anniversary of Pokemon. So with the 25th anniversary, um, a lot of cards from the 20th anniversary or things that I've been really focusing on and looking at because, you know, as things become more vintage and the further we go down the line, you know, these cards will gain in value and these boxes will gain value. Uh, I think one of the best things for beginners and beginners in Pokemon is to look at box investing. It's really safe. It's probably the safest way to keep your money in Pokemon sealed product is usually going to go up. I've never really heard of anyone really losing product on that. So one of the calls that I made recently was the Generation Elite Trainer Box at $200 because it's the 20th anniversary Pokemon box. It's nostalgic. It's got very, you know, close to the heart investment Pokemon in it. So I just didn't see how this could not increase as we get closer and closer to February. Um, So I actually had a lot of people in my group buy these at $200 and Within a couple of weeks, you know, they were selling for $400, $500 on eBay. And I think they settled back down at like $350 right now. There we go. So yeah. this, again, you're kind of looking at the macro perspective and trying to understand what's driving the market as a whole. Right. So, you know, we have this 25th anniversary coming up. It's in February is when it starts. Uh, you also have these big time influencers. We saw Logan Paul opening boxes. Huge influencer. That's the thing. So huge influencers pushing kind of people towards this market, getting eyes on the market. You then have that kind of trickle down effect where these smaller influencers or like the tier two, three and four influencers try to ride that clout. They're trying to follow in his footsteps. We saw a couple other people buying boxes. Uh, We see now people buying the cheaper boxes because the first edition base set boxes are just obscenely priced. Uh, But these are all things that kind of have pushed the market as a whole. And so this is the 20th anniversary box. And we're now coming up on the 25th. 
Uh, and so your reasoning was, you know, it's another one of those anniversary boxes. People are going to be talking about the 25th anniversary. Next best thing or while they're waiting for that to come up is these 20th anniversary boxes. Yeah, you were you were spot on with the pricing here uh, with this two hundred dollar call. And then it hitting, you know, very shortly after that, I saw it going for five hundred or very close to five hundred on eBay. Yep. So I, I love the way that you kind of watch and view the market as a whole. Uh, before we get into kind of the the flipping aspect of it, because everyone's getting hot on flipping Pokemon cards lately. Uh, is there anything else that you want to talk about with regards to actually investing in the market? Yeah, I actually did want to just talk about this real quick. Um, so when you did ask me how do people start, um, a really big thing that I think needs to be addressed is, you know, just doing a little bit of basic research, regardless of how much money you want to put into it, just have an idea of, you know, why you're buying the card. So a little bit of basic research and just play the game safe when you're first starting off, you know, invest with long-term growth at first and, you know, don't dive too heavy into it, you know, trying to flip thousands of dollars in a day, you know, invest with a long-term goal. And if you hit that goal sooner, like in situations like this call, it works out like that sometimes. There we go. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things, because, you know, I've heard the term bubble thrown around. I don't think we're there yet. But, you know, when that term starts getting thrown around and markets do get too hot, there generally is some sort of pullback that we will see. It doesn't have to be now. It could be three years from now, but eventually they do happen. And so what I want people to realize is that like any other investment or market, you should not be investing more than you can afford to lose. You need to start slow. Uh, you know, you see these guys who are throwing around big amounts of money, buying up cards like crazy. There's almost this hysteria to it. Uh, and we kind of want to push people away from that. You need to take it very slowly, do your research, understand what's going on in the market as a whole before putting any of your money towards it because there is that chance that you end up losing it. I don't think that Pokemon will go to zero at any time, but prices could pull back and you could be stuck holding a card for the longer term, which is why I really like you saying, you know, think about this as a very long-term game. Yeah, absolutely. I think that when we talk about, you know, bubbles and markets, I think Pokemon is a little safer from that or a little, you know, there's a preventative measures when investing in Pokemon. And I don't think that we're going to reach a bubble very soon. But, you know, because there's different aspects, there's, you know, Japanese cards, there's different promo cards, there's very different avenues. So it's not as if we're going to all hit that same price for vintage in like a year or so. So I think that it's still very safe to invest. And as long as you know what you're doing and, you know, know the risk, you can have a very good collection started and you can make good money. Exactly. And that was, that was a big thing that I do want to talk about because you look at the first edition base set. And those prices are insane. You look at the Absolutely. first edition box, it's not, but there's good reason for it. It is the very first, other than the Japanese uh, set that came out before it, which was technically the originals. These are the yeah. first American-issued cards. There's very limited population. And the people who are gunning for these are, I would say, much wealthier and okay with purchasing these cards at that high price. Uh, but not every market has done that. You talk about the Japanese cards, you talk about newer sets, even, you know, base set two, you got jungle right. fossil yeah. all the way up through, you know, the last 25 years of cards. It's really just that first edition base set that has seen this insane boom versus yeah, most absolutely. of the other cards. Uh, and so I think if you're trying to get in as a new investor, you should maybe look at some of those other sets and other cards uh, before jumping in and buying some of these first edition base set cards. Absolutely, yeah. Perfect, so is there anything else before we move on to kind of the flipping aspect of things? Um, yeah, I think you covered most of the uh, investment part. I think that you addressing at that end that there's still opportunities outside of base, base set is very important and I'm glad you did bring that up. But I think we can dive right into the flipping aspect. Perfect, okay, so yeah, we, I personally run a flip group. It's an Amazon group. We focus on flipping products. It's called Arbitrage Ops. So I'm pretty keyed into this flip market and there is a huge market for it on Twitter. Uh, there's what they call cook groups out there. Um, and people are doing this with Pokemon. They're flipping cards, they're flipping packs, uh, they're flipping boxes. So can we get into the world of kind of Pokemon flipping and get yeah. your perspective on it? 
Yeah. So when it comes to Pokemon flipping, there are some really, really good opportunities right now. Like I've haven't seen, we haven't seen things like this happen so fast because of the growth in popularity. But, um, you know, when you're looking for purely profit or to make a profit to, you know, fund your collection in store alone, there's ways to make $500, $600 off of just boxes that are released. Uh, right now we actually have the Kanto power collection that just came out because evolutions is a modern set that has, you know, base set, um, base set characters and base set Pokemon in it, it's exploding. So this Kanto power collection is going for, you know, $120 in sets of two. So that's even one aspect of investing in flipping. But there's also the boxes that you can go for. Uh, recently, a set that came out in 2017, Shining Legends, it's ETB, which retails at $50. You were able to grab online and now they're worth, you know, $200 each. There we go. So these these are, I guess it could be considered short-term investing, uh, but yeah. there are some where like you look at the boxes, they sell out immediately, and yeah. then you can immediately turn around after buying it and flipping it for one, two, three X the price. Uh, so can you give us some examples of the most recent boxes that you've maybe talked about? Um, I know this was one, but this was more of a, it's slowly kind of increased, it quickly increased, but it wasn't an immediate flip. Are there any products out there right now that people can't get their hands on uh, where you can buy it in store or online and immediately turn around and flip it for profit? Yeah, absolutely. So one of those is, you know, people, like I said earlier, people are still in store buying that Kanto Power Collection. Uh, you could also find Hidden Fate Tins and the Champion's Path set that just released. You know, those are reselling right off the bat right now. You can get, you know, $30 profits on some of them, 50%. 100% profits on these cards by just checking your local stores. Um, there's also a really, really big card set that just came back out, uh, XY Evolutions. It's ETB, it wasn't reprinted, but it was restocked by Walmart. And those alone, if you find them in store, are going for 150 each, and they're retailing for $30, $40. So if you go in store, you have chances to make hundreds of dollars in Pokemon just by flipping that. Yeah, and so these main stores that we're talking about, are we talking mostly Target and Walmart? Because I know you can get part Pokemon cards in both of those. Uh, is there yeah. anywhere else that you're looking to try to secure some of these for those quick flips? Yeah, so most of the flips you can find at general retailers, but Target and Walmart is what most people are going to you know, know and associate with Pokemon flipping and finding packs in general. But there are stores like Major. Uh, it's a... It's a Michigan-based supermarket, I believe, and they have their own mystery box. These mystery boxes basically have seeded vintage packs in them. And because of that, they're worth more money. They're flipping on eBay and they're going for, you know, $40 profits, $30 profits on a $20 investment. And um, the one in major specifically has graded cards in it. So uh, when it comes to Pokemon cards and packs, you want to weigh them out to figure out which ones are heavier, which one might have a vintage pack, but it's pretty dead cut when you have a graded card, which one is heavier than the other. So there's hundreds of chances to make profits. It depends on the stores you want to go to, but most supermarkets have something you can make profit on. So there actually is another one that is a pretty well-known supermarket that has these mystery boxes. And are you co okay with telling the people about this? Or are you trying to keep that kind of on the down low still? Oh, yeah. So my group had an opportunity to catch those a while ago. So I feel comfortable talking about it. Most people are on Reddit, Twitter talking about it. But there we go. So, uh, so if you want to get into that one. Yeah, sure. So right now, Walgreens has a Pokemon uh, po Pokemon mystery box that has vintage packs. And a lot of people have been finding, you know, base set packs, fossil packs, all kinds of cool stuff in it. And of course, you can always open them. But I personally don't like the mystery boxes for per, uh, opening. I prefer to flip them. You could always open them. People have found great stuff, but the profit you can make by just doing that alone, you could generate buying a PSA 9 card or something to invest for long-term too, or you can just spend the money however you want to do it. Yeah, so this, again, like I, I don't think people understand how almost easy it is to make profit off of these. You head into your Walgreens, you hit the aisle, you find these mystery boxes if they're there, and then you can turn around and you're buying them for 20 and they're selling for between 40 and 50, uh, yeah. sometimes upwards of $60.
the more that people buy them and open them, I do think the price is going to increase on eBay. Uh, and so we could see that price kind of increasing as more people want to get their hands on them. Uh, yeah. But these are just a few examples of those kind of quick flips. But um, I think for the most part, people have issues with walking into a store and looking at this big display at Walmart and just not knowing what they're looking at. So right now, off the top of your head, are there any packs, tins, uh, what is it, the pin collections uh, or boxes that they should be looking for when they're going into these stores? Yeah. So I actually did recently do a segment, um, you know, explaining what in-store cooks to look for and, you know, having them listed kind of by priority. So for priority, the first things you should be looking at are, you know, you want to look for your elite trainer boxes from evolutions, you know, the blue chart, the blue Blastoise box or the red Charizard box. That alone, like if you pick up five or 10 of those, you're looking at $200, $300 profit. Um, you want to pick up your Kanto power collection. I think that's high priority also. Um, mid priority, I would say your Hidden Fate Champion's Path because Hidden Face is a reprint. I don't see the profit margin as high as the other ones, but there still is profit to be made a good amount. And Champion's Path is a very popular set and a lot of new investors are, you know, flocking to it by the thousands. I think that that's going to have great potential in the next year, um, but I don't see it as a quick flip. Quick flip. So, so the thing was, it was a very quick flip when it first came out. Um, and so I was just wondering if there's ways that you're kind of keyed in to know when these new boxes are coming out, where to look for them and secure them. Cause when champions path first hit, they were $40, I believe, or maybe 50, uh, 40, 50. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, presale on Amazon, on some of these other sites, uh, the group I'm in arbitrage ops, we talked about it. Cole, one of the guys who runs it with me bought a ton of boxes, about like 40 boxes or something like that. And was yeah. able to immediately, he ripped a bunch of them, but he was immediately able to flip them on eBay as soon as the pre-sale ended for between $80 and $100. Some of them were getting up to around $120, I think. Yeah. Uh, and the cards inside were going for a ton as well. Um, so how are you kind of staying up to date on these new boxes that are coming out, new sets, where to look, how to secure them uh, before they hit eBay and you have to pay resale for them? Yeah, so I usually stay on top of, you know, most of the Pokemon news in terms of the TCG by just, you know, being active in Twitter communities, just being active in my group. People talk a lot about them and just staying up to date with Pokemon's calendar on releases. Uh, I think that's really important so you don't get side blind, like just caught off guard by like some crazy release and, you know, it gets sold out quickly. So just knowing what releases are coming out for that month and just keeping up to date with basic community stuff. There we go. So for someone who's very new to this, how often are new sets kind of coming up uh, and how often are we seeing new product hit the market? Yeah. So that's a good point that you brought up. Uh, new product is a lot different from new sets. So, you know, we have sets like uh, Evolutions that I've talked about before in this, in this podcast, but there's still new products coming out for it. Uh, new sets are a lot less common. You have maybe like one every two, three months but new products are coming out basically like once a month, not even once a month, maybe two, three in a month. So there's new products coming out. It's not always, you know, high quality. You're not going to get a champion's path every week. It's just, you know, having to know which ones are good and why they're good. There we go. So you really do need to stay on top of the market if you are trying to kind of be first to market and squeeze out the most profit from it. Uh, and if you're a little bit more lax and you're not staying as up to date, you can still, after the fact, find these boxes, get the restocks, that sort of thing. Uh, but to really, really kind of make the most of it and squeeze the most money out of it, you should be paying attention to the Pokemon news that's coming out, figuring out when new boxes are dropping, when new products dropping, and being the first ones on those products. Um, so we have the Discord up. There's a lot of stuff in here. Uh, yeah. I was just wondering <laughs> if we could maybe go through some, because there's there's still so much more to investing and flipping that we haven't talked about. Uh, yeah. So maybe we can get into some of the stuff that the Discord offers, and then we can relate that back to how it works with regards to investing or flipping. Yeah, so uh, the Discord does have a lot of stuff in the channels, but uh, when it comes to investing and flipping, I think one of the things that our group does well is having everything organized so it's very easy to understand and digest for new people. So one of the things that I'm very happy that our group has is in-store flips. And we kind of just explain what 
to look for when you're in the store. It's something quick you can pull up on your phone if you're just kind of confused. Uh, yeah, so we have all the things that I just talked about earlier pretty much put out and explaining why they're you know profitable and showing kind of the price estimates for resale. We also have uh, upcoming releases. Uh, we kind of explain like the the releases that are coming up that are good, not just the fluff ones and why you want to invest in these ones. We have graded card investments. These are the ones that I like beginners going for because they're kind of the safer ones and easier to understand. You're not really grading the PSA card. You're kind of holding it and just allowing it to grow. It's something you kind of just do passively. Uh, we have sealed product. Sealed product is really, really good. Uh, I really like it. I stand by it as a personal investor. I have a lot of it. Um, you know, I just kind of explain which ones to look for, you know, not everything has to be first edition. Yeah. I, I don't know how you do it. Cause if I had my hands on any of these products, I'd rip it for sure. Oh yeah. If yeah. I had a jungle pack, if I had team rocket box, I'd rip that shit. So, quick. <laughs> so I love that you're able to hold on to them. Um, and these again are more, you're, you're saying these are more for investing purposes, right? Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. So these are for more investing. And then when it comes to flipping, you're kind of looking for cards that are going to jump or you're looking for in-store product that's already at a market price that's above retail. So when you're looking for cards that are going to flip, you're looking at graded cards. Graded card flips maybe aren't as fast as, you know, product, but I would say that a flip would still be constituted within 30 days or a month. 100%. I actually do want to get into kind of my Pokemon adventures and how I was flipping cards. Uh, so we can talk about that maybe towards the end, or I can get into it now if you're okay with that. Uh, because I was going off of graded card flipping and that was like yeah. my go-to thing. Uh, yeah. So if we can take a little side note for a second, I can kind of try to explain what I was doing there uh, so that others can try to replicate it if possible. Oh yeah, sure. Let's talk about it. So I really, I really appreciate that you pulled this back up right here, uh, because if we look at it, you've got the tens, the nines, and the eights all together, and mm -hmm. you can see that the nines are selling for a little bit over half the price of the tens historically, and then the eights are selling at around half the price of the nines. Uh, and so what I was doing was I would watch eBay markets. Yep. And they do um, they do auctions on eBay, like PWCC has a huge auction that they do every once in a while. And so I'd watch the market and I'd look at historical pricing. And I focused on the nines and the eights uh, because the tens were a little bit out of my price range and I was not yeah. as comfortable, I'd say, dropping that much money on the tens. Uh, but so for example, I focused on Blastoise a lot just because it was my favorite card. And so I watched an auction end and it was the tens and tens. I think the 10 ended at just under 40 grand. And mm -hmm. I looked at the historical prices of the nines and saw that they usually went for around a fourth of the price. So my thought then was buy every single nine that I can get for under 10 grand. And I should be able to turn it around and flip it for 10 grand, which is about a quarter of the price that it sold for as soon as the market catches up. And so I would go in, I'd buy all the nines at around or under 10 grand. And then I would look at the eights and I would say, okay, the eights are usually half the price of the nines. So the nines should be under 10 grand. That's a good buy. They should go to 10 grand. And then the eights, anything under five grand, which is half the price of the nine is a good buy. And it was pretty try, true and tested that whenever an auction went off, you'd have a very short window of time where you could buy those lower graded cards at under the market value or under the historical market value, and then prices would slowly catch up. So I'd buy an eight at say three, I think one example is I bought an eight at 3.2 grand and then another at 3.6, and then I think there was actually one at 2.8 that I also bought. So all right yeah. around the three grand range when I was thinking that they should be selling at around five grand. Within, yeah. I'd say, two weeks, I was able to sell one at 4.8, one right at five, and the last one at six because the entire market had risen over that time period. But it was still a very short investment 
flip, I would call it, because it's under that kind of 30-day range. Exactly, yeah. Uh, so for anyone out there who's watching these eBay markets, uh, I would say look at the historical prices of the graded cards and then watch auctions for those higher graded cards and try to snag some undervalued cards in the eight, seven, six range and then hold on to them as the market plays catch up and the news kind of hits that, all right, the 10 is now this price, new market price for any other card graded underneath the 10. Yeah. So I actually do like the fact that you brought up the relationship between PSA 10 prices and nine prices, because that's something that you could use to your advantage a lot in Pokemon. So as you, as you explained, you know, the Blastoise PSA 10 card was on the increase and just like you said, there is a ratio between PSA 9 and PSA 10 prices. Usually it's between, you know, one third to one fourth of the price. So if you see a PSA 10 card increasing, that's a very good indication to catch the PSA 9 at a good price because it's very likely that card will follow, uh, follow suit. So that's one of the ways you can really flip Pokemon cards. If you spend a lot of time on the markets and the auction sites that you were talking about on eBay are very good, very reliable. Uh, if you spend time on there, you can find very good deals just by doing that, following PSA 10 prices and just catching the nine and riding the wave. Exactly. I know a lot of people think that to flip cards, you got to either buy a box or get a tin or a pin collection in store yeah. uh, and get some of that stuff that's really hard to get people's hands on. Uh, and they usually think the newer stuff. But yeah. in reality, you can flip you know, graded cards very easily. And it takes a lot of the risk out of the market because you're not holding for these longer time periods. It's I'm going to buy, let the market catch up and sell very shortly. Like I think the average hold time for some of the cards that I held on to was maybe two, three weeks a month at the most. Uh, and so a lot of people talk about this idea that, you know, the market could come crashing down. And my thought was, you know, I'm holding these for such a short period of time. I don't even need to really worry about it. Exactly. Yeah. So that that's one of the things that is really, uh, really good about graded cards. You can hold them for a very short amount of time and see very big increases. I think that, you know, flipping vintage cards, it's a little more expensive now, but still, there's still margins to catch. I mean, you can catch a PSA 9. I mean, I had people catching PSA 9 Raichus from the uh, Team Rocket first edition set for around $300 at a 9. And within a couple months, I think it was a month and a half. It was a $700 card. So, you know, just catching them at good prices, it doesn't have to be, you know, $300. It could be $100. It can be $200. It can be $500. Just getting a good price and seeing an indication that the set's going to go up. There we go. And that's another thing that I really want to harp on here is that most people have seen the headlines about the first edition base set cards, the box going for 375 grand, the Charizard going for 250 grand. Uh, all of these other cards are much lower in price and there's a much lower barrier of entry. Uh, so if you still want to get into the market, don't think, okay, I'm priced out because I can't afford these $10,000, $20,000, $50,000 cards. Just start looking at some of the newer sets. Even the, the um, not Team the Rocket first edition. I was going to say the yeah. base set, base set two, uh, yeah. Jungle, Fossil, Team Rocket, Team Fossil. Rocket. Yeah, those are all still very old cards. Those are yeah. what you'd consider our childhood cards, but none of them have really gone crazy like these other ones. So you can invest in them and you're not going to be spending too much money to get your hands on these cards. Absolutely. I still think that out of the big three, you know, um, Base Set, Fossil, Jungle, you know, you could still get them at affordable prices. Maybe not as affordable as people would like, but it's not out of reach like something like Base Set, which is, you know, becoming basically modern art. You could still catch these cards under $1,000 and hold them and, you know, just let them grow over time. Or you could still flip them for quick profits and invest them into, you know, other things. There we go. Uh, so can we go back to the Discord for a quick second? I saw Absolutely. some other stuff that I do want to talk about. Uh, you had these stores and the monitors. Can we talk about what those are for people who don't know what monitors are about? Yeah. So we actually do have monitors in our group that tell us when certain items are restocking on specific retailers. So we have currently a Walmart, a Target, and a Poke Center monitor. So we are kind of using these as references to know when certain cards are coming in when certain packs are coming in and allowing our members to, you know, catch them manually. 
um, and just, you know, collect them. So like I said earlier, this is the Champions Path box that is kind of hard to find in store, but with this monitor, we're alerted basically instantly when it restocks online. And also we have different packs that are just loaded in here that you can find. Uh, the Deoxys pack from Tag Team and, you know, other things from Champions Path. There's all kinds of stuff. We also have running the latest Pokemon box, the Jirachi box. Now, I'm not the biggest fan of this, but it is still reselling and there's still a profit to made. So for my flippers, I added it to the market. Yeah, see, I love that. You know, I, I've talked with you about this box. I've seen what your comments on it and you're not a huge fan. A lot of people actually aren't a huge fan of the cards and the packs that you can get in there, but you are impartial to all of that. You see that there is a flip to be had, there's money to be made. And so you're going to buy it regardless. Right. Uh, and I think that's one thing that when there's this nostalgia in a market, uh, it gets very emotion based and you're investing and you're flipping become a little bit more emotional than they yeah. would with other stuff. Uh, but you really need to put all of that to the side and just focus on the dollars when you're looking at these flips. So I like that you've added this pack. I know or this this uh, box. I know you don't like it personally, yeah. but you like the money that comes with it. Yeah, um, I think so, that it's important to be pretty impartial when you're um, doing something like this and investing in the market. I do love Pokemon and I have a passion for it. And I understand why investors are emotional about it. But, you know, as a younger investor, I didn't always have, you know, money to go out and buy a PSA 9 Charizard off rip. So I had to, you know, find creative ways to fund that money. It's the same thing with sneakers, clothes. You know, not everyone has the capital to just go out and spend $500. Some people have to earn that. 100%. And I feel like a lot of the people in the group are in a very similar situation. And this yeah. is, I know a lot of people in there are just looking for a quick buck, but I think more important than that are those collectors and investors who are more focused in growing out their collections and doing so by flipping cards, flipping packs, flipping boxes, and then using that money to fund their collections. It's something truly beautiful in my eyes. Yeah. I think that we have a very good community going in this group. It's not just focused on money. It's not just focused on collecting, you know, it's it's collecting responsibly in, in a modern way, you know. I feel like every collector is becoming somewhat of a reseller because that's what the market is demanding at the moment. It's unfortunate, but when prices go this crazy, sometimes you do have to let go of certain cards because the price is just too good not to. Oh, absolutely. I agree. So Going back to this whole flipping thing, you know, I've had people ask me like, how do I get my hands on these boxes or these cards, these tins, whatever it is. And I just want to go back to this. This is just one of the ways that you can secure these is you have these monitors in place. As soon as it gets restocked on their site, there's an alert saying, hey, this is restocked. You can go buy it at this link. Uh, you can see here it's got the add to cart. You click on that. It'll take you directly to your cart and then you want to check out. Uh, so this is just one of the ways. Uh, another thing that I preach and I'm big on is really understanding the schedule of the people who are restocking these shelves. Uh, and some people, you know, they hear, okay, so Walmart restocks on Thursdays and Target's on Fridays, or it might be switched. I might be getting those two mixed up. But the yeah. thing is just showing up there on a Thursday or a Friday and expecting to get one of these boxes or multiple of these boxes is not going to happen. So when you first get started, you're going to have to put the work in if you want to flip these boxes. Uh, what you're going to want to do is spend almost the entire day. And I know this is a pain in the ass, but you spend the entire day there. You figure out when these people are restocking the shelves. You chat with them. You try to get your in and you try to get on their schedule so that every time that person is coming and dropping off boxes or tins or whatever it is, you can go in, you know they're coming, and you can secure them and then flip them for a profit. Yeah, I think that is also super important for people to, when you're first starting, I just remember this story because it was hilarious. I spent maybe like a week just going to my local Walmart trying to catch the guy restocking. And for people who don't know, the company that usually restocks uh, Pokemon cards and major retailers for around my area is MJ Holding. And they're also the people that make the mystery boxes. So I would try and catch the guy's schedule. And I just remember going in like every day, like around like 10, 12-ish, random time trying to, trying to catch him. And eventually, you know, after doing that for a while, you kind of just get into the rhythm of which stores he's going to. And it actually makes it really easy to find certain things on in, uh, in store as long as you kind of get the rhythm down of what's going on. Yeah, that's the thing is, is I really want to preach the fact that anything that you're doing in these markets, because it has become a little bit more saturated, 
you're going to have to put in that extra work. You're not just going to be able to log on to a website, push the buy now button, and then put it up on eBay and sell it for a profit. There's things that are in place that you're going to have to do, the work you're going to have to kind of take and the or the steps you're going to have to take and the work you're going to have to do to really secure these to make this money. Yeah, absolutely. So we've gone through kind of investing versus flipping. We've talked about some of the stuff that is offered in this Discord. Is there anything else that you think my audience needs to know about the Pokemon market as a whole? Um, investing, flipping, anything else that we haven't covered in the Discord itself? Yeah. So I do want to just give a couple, um, you know, basic tips for people who really want to just start diving into it, maybe like today or tomorrow. I really recommend you just start with doing some basic research, getting accustomed to, you know, the influencers in the industry, the people that kind of tell people what's hot, what's not. Uh, getting to know what's happening in the industry and the market and then playing the game really safe. You know, invest for long term. Don't try and flip thousands of dollars off rip. Just, you know, get a feeling for what's going on and then get into really good modern sets and hold for long term. That's pretty much guaranteed profit. It's one of the things that I always incorporate in my personal investing. And I just want people to, you know, take a safer approach and then they can get more advanced or more tactical with their investing later on there we go yeah i uh, i hate that you say hold on to some of these newer boxes because as soon as i buy any of them or as soon as i get my hands on them i rip them open <laughs> i i do not own a single pristine box or pack it's all ripped and yeah. then i look at my cards and i'm like none of this is worth anything <laughs> but i love it because it yeah. reminds me of my childhood ripping those packs as a kid uh and so i really appreciate that advice um, I'm going to speak on this a little myself as well. Uh, you really need to figure out which type of either investing or flipping you want to do uh, because the Pokemon market as a whole is huge. There are a ton of different sets. There's different types of memorabilia. There's boxes, tins, straight packs. There's raw cards. There's graded cards. So what you need to do is pick whether you're trying to invest or whether you're trying to flip and then you need to specialize in a specific type in my opinion at least so when i did this i focused on those first edition base set cards it's not for everybody but it was for me and i was able to fully analyze and watch the market every single day i knew what cards were selling for what prices what changes were being made what the tens nines eights seven sixes of every single card in the set I also focused on the hollows, didn't focus on any of the regular cards, the common cards, uh, but I was able to tell you everything about those cards while I was focused on the market. Uh, and you need to do the same when you're first starting out. Eventually, you can expand, you'll have a better idea of the market as a whole, and you can cover more of the cards. But to start, I highly suggest picking one, especially if you're focused on investing. Uh, and then for flipping, I would say start slow, you could get caught up buying either the wrong cards or the boxes. You never want to go all in on one specific box. Uh, so take things slow, learn how the flip market works. Uh, Cause I know a lot of people are new to this completely. They're looking to make some extra money and they want to know how. So take it slow. I highly suggest checking out this discord. We're going to be giving away some more spots. Uh, so if you're listening to this, you've got a chance to get into this group. I would highly suggest it the calls, the resources, the people in there. It's all great. Um, and that's pretty much it for me on biggest tips. Is there anything else you think we haven't covered today? I think we did a pretty good job covering most of the Pokemon market. And I'm excited for what's going to happen uh, later on in the market, not just this year. I'm excited to see what happens further down the road. I know that they have you know, awesome sets to come. So I think now is a great time to get into the hobby if you're interested. Yeah, there's big things coming. Uh, since you mentioned that, is there anything on your radar for the near future that we could kind of tease the audience with? Yeah. So I'm interested to see what's going to happen for the 25th anniversary of Pokemon. I'm sure they're going to do something very interesting. And even, you know, a lot of people don't really like Japanese cards in the U.S., but Shiny Star is really having a breakout moment. I mean, they're introducing... A brand new type of card and it's all happening within this month i mean pokemon's exploding we're getting a new type of card that's it looks very good uh, i'm sure it's going to hold value eventually and there's just a lot of things just exploding like here and there just new cards new promos it's awesome 
Yeah, I'm definitely excited for this 25th anniversary. Uh, excited to see what happens. I think for anyone who's interested in getting into the market, uh, I wouldn't be shy about it. I wouldn't be scared. There are some people I've talked to who have said, I'm going to sit this one out. I don't recommend it. Uh, we've got some big things coming in the pipeline to look forward to. Uh, and so I think if you're interested, get involved now, start studying up, start learning the market and be prepared for this 25th anniversary because things are really going to go crazy. Yeah, I agree. I couldn't say that any better. All right, man. I appreciate it. This has been a wonderful talk. I think we gave people some great tips on one flipping two investing where the whole market is as a whole and how people can get involved. Uh, and if anyone has any more questions, you can reach out. I'm assuming to either of us on Twitter. That's where I focus my stuff on. Uh, right. My handle, yeah, you guys probably know me. It's Crypto Charles underscore underscore. Uh, and I believe yours is, I don't uh, have it's it on me. G-E-E Fazo, like F-A-Y-Z-O. And yeah, you can reach out to me on Twitter. You can reach out to me in the Discord. I'm pretty quick with responding to people. So if you have questions, feel free to shoot them. Yeah, please guys reach out. We love talking about this kind of stuff. We're very passionate about it and we wanna see more people getting into the market. So if you have questions, again, reach out. Also, like I said, we are gonna be giving away some spots into the Discord. Uh, it's been a little tough to get in because demand is insane. Uh, we've got it's a ton of members. I know, it's crazy. We have <laughs> you know, 600 members in there already. We wanna yeah. make sure that they stay profitable so we can't let too many people in. So if you're interested, uh, we're gonna be giving away some spots. We're gonna put together a tweet. You'll probably have been sent to this video from that tweet, but head back to that tweet. We'll be giving away some spots. Uh, anything else before we go to wrap it up? No, I appreciate you spending time with me and just having the discussion. Uh, thank you so much for the opportunity. Yeah, man, it was a blast. I love talking about Pokemon, so thank you so much. <laughs> appreciate it, man. All right.